0: The jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM 1390 AM, the FAN.
1: Full Court Press, Eric Franson, and AJ Salveson here, our number two underway. Recap, a quick recap of the first hour. We talked Utah Jazz basketball as they get ready for action again, back-to-back against San Antonio, Houston, Friday, Saturday, both at home. Pick six, done and over with. Everyone pray that I don't lose again. Had some
2: bad luck lately, a lot of it. I, I just, if you lose, I would just hope that you don't get violent and throw stuff at me again. I'm not
1: okay. That's you, becoming a bad habit. You looked yours. busy and so I didn't want to interrupt you, so I just tossed it. Kind it to of you kinda disrupted the whole office. You disrupt the whole office. I was like, what was what was that? Shania thought it was hilarious. She wants to see more of it.
2: We had coworkers wondering if you know what kind of workplace violence was going on. There was no workplace violence. The projectiles flying through the air. There will be if you
1: touch my Twitter account again. The fact that you just put, put it out there as a tweet telling you. <laughs> Did I just see that on your Twitter account?
0: <laughs> what? You,
1: you know better. You know better. Be better, Eric.
2: You, you have an affinity for
1: trains. I, maybe I do. Is that a bad thing? Nope. Didn't think so. No. Nope. Utah State, 78-58 winners over Wyoming. Utah State improves to 22-7 and 7 overall, 11-5 of 5 in the Mount West, and take hold and more of a firm grasp on that number two spot in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, and for Craig Smith, he gets win at number 50. He becomes the fastest coach in US men's basketball history to do so, to hit 50 wins, beating or besting, I should say, uh, the late Liddell Anderson, who got 50 wins in 66 games. Coach did it in 54 games. His record is now at 50-14. and 14. Uh, Last night, uh, start a few individuals. Uh, of course, Justin Bean had a wonderful night, 8-13 from the field. He was 1-3 of three from deep, 3-3 three three from the line, 14 rebounds, but 20 points. Second time he has scored 20 points in his career. He also had three assists and three ugly turnovers, but two steals in 34 minutes of play. Uh, Namiya Shkato, 4-9 from the field. He had 15 boards, 8 points, and uh, was 0-2 at the line in 31 minutes. Sam Merrill, 9-13 from the line, 3-6 from deep, 5-5 five five from the line. Uh, sorry, 9-13 from the field. He had 26 points, 4 assists. And five rebounds in 36 minutes. And that's really kind of all, all who really started. Even uh, Diogo Brillo is pretty quiet. Two or three from the field in his 28 minutes. He had seven points. He was 2-2 at the line and 1-2 from deep. Uh, here is my concern. And for all Aggie fans who want to participate in the show, you are more than welcome to do so. If you'll text in at 435-339-0321. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, at France and I'm at uh, Audrey Salvi. I've got a major concern here. Do you know where I'm going with this? No. Brock Miller, 7 from the field, 5 from deep. He had three rebounds and two turnovers in 24 minutes of basketball. I don't know what else we do. Like, dude, people quit guarding him last night. I don't know if you saw it, but well, there was times where yes. they would just like part and go double Sam, double Ketta. And let Brock just take a wide open three. No one even near him. Transition threes. Step into it threes. Set your feet threes. Nothing, man. Nothing. What do we do? Is it is it the basketball? Are we are we to that point where we think you know what? Maybe it is the basketball. And I'm serious.
2: Like, uh, how- I, I, I can. You know what? It, you, you can look at that, but the basketball is the same basketball on the court for all. 10 players yeah. while th- that are on the court. But if uh, if one player is accustomed to his shooting style, you know, how the ball feels and how he feels shooting that style of ball. But look, we're, we're deep into the season, deep into the season. So the type of ball that you've been playing with is the same ball you've been playing with now for two months. Mm-hmm. So it's not the ball. We may be could have made an argument, and we'll hear more about it later on this hour, about what, what that means. But uh, I think you may have could have made an argument about that early in the conference schedule when they were in that slump in early January. But we're mid to late February now. The Aggies have had a lot of games, a lot of practice time at home with this same ball. Um, Yeah, I I hope he gets it figured out. Uh, I think that he can be a, a big contributor to the team. I think if he has, he can be a threat to hit a three. But if he's going to keep going like this, teams won't treat him as a threat to hit the three. They will give him space. They'll back off. They'll cheat on uh, over to uh, to give to get closer to Sam or to somebody else,
1: which is what they did last night. So. Which is what they did last night. They yeah, I, Sam I Lee, hope Lee.
2: I hope Brock gets it figured out, because um, you know he he puts up more three point attempts than anybody, but uh, it, it's not going in. It's and this isn't just a one game thing where he had an off night. This has been a growing trend for the last little while. I mean, he did have a good game the other night uh, against Colorado State, but yeah. It's Yeah, it's it's an
1: issue. Uh still wasn't that great himself in eight minutes. He uh had a pretty scoreless stat line besides the one assist and two turnovers. Here's the other problem I had last night, Eric, was the turnovers. They were bad. Some of them were even mindless. Like some of them didn't even make sense to me. And it wasn't and I think there's a little bit of credit to Wyoming, but I think there's more of a fault to Utah State for these turnovers. Sixteen last night. They, in fact, at one point, Eric, they had seven—no, four more turnovers than they did assist. Late in the first half, uh,
2: and I misspoke actually with Brock. Uh, I, for some reason, I was thinking that he played a decent game at Colorado State. He only had three points. No, yeah,
1: he hasn't been good for a the while. last time he had a, a decent game
2: was against San Diego State when he scored fifteen. Hmm. Since then. Two five three five zero. Just scare you? Yeah. I mean, it it
1: scares me, man. And the fact that I mean, and I understand. I get it. Like he he brings great defensive skill, great defensive effort. But I think Brito does the same thing.
2: He's made six field goals in his last six games. Last five games.
1: How many is six he, field how, goals? How many in his he last attempted? five games? Do you
2: know?
1: Oh. I know you have to do the math here. So while you're doing the math, I just want to say this. You know, it's interesting. Abel Porter in his post game presser yesterday said, "Look, Abe, Brock spreads the floor for us because, like, even if he is not hitting his shots, the fact that he has a chance to set his feet and shoot a three still scares teams alive, and so it, it still keeps him honest, and that's why he's so valuable."
2: Yeah, in the last five games, he's six for
1: thirty-seven.
2: Oh, oh, and the majority of those attempts are beyond the arc. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with what uh, what, what he's saying, I, and I agree with the philosophy. Having him out there makes teams think about, oh, here's a shooter. Here's a guy who can hit this shot potentially. And I, I hope it starts to fall for him. I really, really do, uh, because he's in a slump. Um it's, it's, yeah, it's rough. But, uh you know, honest, honestly, though, I mean, it's, this is much of the Mountain West season. This is what he's been like. He had a double-digit game when they went to Wyoming, and he had a double-digit game against San Diego. But I hate to say it, a lot of those points came when nothing was on the line. And uh, the game was well decided. Most of his points for in, in Wyoming came in the second half. He had kind of back to back to back buckets. Um, but and in against San Diego State, those were following. You know, when the game was already out of hand.
1: Nine uh, three one five text in, and by the way, you can text into the show as well. Four three five three three nine zero three two one three three nine zero three two one. We're talking Aggie basketball. Love to hear your thoughts uh, on last night's game and on the upcoming games as we finish out the regular season next week. Nine three one five says I was at the game last night and it was troubling with Miller. I don't know what to think. The best was when Sam uh, when he tricked that uh, Wyoming player with the way he was guarding and then went right to the hoop for an easy layup. <laughs> that was actually pretty that slick was, by yeah, Sam. Nice. Uh, he says uh, he continues. Sam's on his way to pass Grant there was way too many turnovers last night. Uh, Sam is going to pass Grant. I I'm pretty sure he will. Right now he needs he scored how many last night? Well,
2: he needed to average 20 points a game for his final regular season games and then the one tournament, tournament game. Tournament game. And he's he's well ahead he's of that. He's well now. ahead of it right now, isn't he's he? He's said 24, 32 and 24. <laughs> uh
1: yeah. Uh he's he's going to get it. He To do it at home, he needed 45 last night and, like, 29 the next night or flip-flop that. But um, I don't know if he'll get that at home. He might end up getting it in New Mexico. I just got another text from 1181. How many uh, turnovers did Keta have? He was brutal on those. Uh, Keta had two. Two turnovers. So here's how – this is sad that we have to read the turnover line, but we're going to. Bean had three. Ked had two. Sam three. Uh, Abel one. Miller, Miller had, and two. had two. And had two. Gruffom didn't have any.
2: Alpha. Anderson had two.
1: Yep. And Diogo had one. 16 total. We've got issues. And Ked has got to quit. Like, when he gets to the post, just go. Just, just go. I ain't going to stop you. No one can stop that guy when he wants to get to the hoop. Yeah, I, I agree. If he can, I get though when the double's coming, and it came at like blind sides on him, or he. And when I say blind side, what that means is when they come from behind and he can't see the guy coming. That's on Utah State's other guys to communicate with them.
2: Yeah, you, you don't want to throw the ball down into the post and then have him quickly turn right into a, a, a double team, and then he'll have nowhere to go. But at the same time, you're right. I I, I understand what's being said. You kind of want him. To have a little bit quicker action when he gets the ball, there's a little bit of this: get the ball, back him down, feel where the defender is, kind of get his spot, and but that just gives the defense time to collapse and and make life a little bit more congested. So uh, it would be, it would probably be better if he would be a little more decisive on what he wants to do, what he plans to do. I get it; sometimes he's trying to read the defense a little bit, but uh, or if he was a better passer out of that. Then I'd be totally fine with it, but uh, he was tremendous on the boards, on snagging everything that was around the rim. But I agree, he could be a little bit quicker, a little more decisive when he gets the ball in the post, and he would he'd get a lot more points if not at the rim making buckets, then he'd get him at the free throw line. Because when he gets the ball and has a quick action and is going right away, team players have to quickly react, and then they're off balance and he forces them, and it creates pressure, and, and uh, usually that goes in the offensive player's favor.
1: There was that big stretch in the second half, or I think it may have been in the first half. Forgive me which one, but Alpha they went small. The Aggies did. They took out Kelly, they put in Anderson, and they went small, and Wyoming could not guard it. Alfonso was a big part of that. The Aggies went on a uh, 13-0 run, ending the half on a 15-2 run, holding Wyoming scoreless for the last six minutes or so, and uh, uh, it was just huge, and I thought Anderson was a big part of that. Anderson looked like he was the like early part of the season, Alfonso Anderson, the one that we just fell in love with. If Anderson can keep that consistent, he's going to be very, very vital come the Mountain West Conference Tournament.
2: I, I totally agree. He has been, uh, in at times, just this tremendous asset for Utah State with just his size, his footwork, and his skill level. But uh, there have been... There's been a stretch of games here where he hasn't quite been that same guy, and I don't know if it's because of the way the rotations have worked, if he's health issue, or something else that's going on, but uh, I feel like he's starting to kind of get back into that. If he can keep himself out of foul trouble and be that force off the bench at that position, man, I think they can pay huge dividends for the Aggies in these tournament runs where you can have a a, a bigger guy that has some footwork and can guard out on the three-point line if necessary. And he has that ability to kind of guard multiple positions but also do different things offensively for the Aggies too. Uh, Aggies now
1: get San Jose State at home on Tuesday night. Aggies have six days off as a team they took today off and then they'll have practice tomorrow and then they have till Sunday off as well. They need that rest. A couple of these guys badly need that rest. And then you get San Jose State 9 o'clock Tuesday night. Eric, I want to speak to the Aggie fans and I'm hoping you'll be able to join in with me on this. It's a Tuesday 9 o'clock game. It's late. It's a weekday. I get it, but you have a chance to honor one of the greatest players to ever put on an Aggie uniform in Sam Merrill, and also honor Diogo Brito. I hope that Aggie fans will take the time and effort to be there. Sam and Diogo have earned it. Look, they've been through the thick and thin of this. I mean, the Tim Duryea years and the, the struggling of you know Stu Morrill's final year. It's just they've been there for it, and and they were a part of that, and they've helped bring this team back into the the the, ad, what, the stratosphere of, of being recognized not only in the Mount West Conference, but also nationally. Got them back into the NCAA tournament. They're hoping to do it again this year. Um, this team, this, these fans, and these, these two players specifically, they deserve to be recognized uh, for senior night next Tuesday.
2: Yeah, Sam and, and Diogo have been through a lot of battles for Utah State uh, to, through thick and thin, through highs and lows. Uh, Roche is also a senior. Uh, that's right. That's right. He uh, hasn't quite seen as much time on the floor, uh, but uh, th- those are the three seniors for Utah State. And like you said, one of them is going to go down as one of the greatest ever. Uh, and so, and that's going to be your last time to see him, probably, unless there's an nit situation, which honestly, let's not hope for that. <laughs> but this is going to be your last time to see Sam Merrill on uh, Utah State floor. It's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. It's gone by
1: fast for for not only him but for us as well. And it's been an honor to watch him play basketball. I and I still stand. You know, someone came to me yesterday before the game, and they said, "You know, I I heard you on uh, the radio, and I saw you on Twitter talking about defending Sam as the best over JC." And he goes, "I want you to know, I agree." I said, "Oh, well, that's nice of you. Thank you. I wish you could tell the rest of the world that too." Uh, but no, look, Sam is Sam is special, and and. The great thing about him is, and in this day and age, Eric, is he's not only just a great player, he's a heck of a kid off the court. Like every NBA team that's going to go look at him does not have to worry about any off-court issues because there is nothing there. He's clean. He just He's a good stand-up human being with no baggage to carry to an NBA team. Scouts love him. They love him. They love his durability. They love his ability to be able to get through screens, shoot the ball, play defense. They love it. And they and he's going to get a look, and rightfully so. Uh, and I, I look forward to seeing what his career takes uh, hold after uh, his time uh, being in an Aggie, an Aggie jersey. is completed. But hopefully that's not for a while, including as we go deep into March in the NCAA tournament.
2: Uh, Eric. Uh, but, you know what, I, I just uh, one more thing from last night. Um I I didn't think, I thought that if the Utah State Aggie defense played like it has been playing, Wyoming wouldn't get to 60. They didn't. Uh, The Utah State defense has really gotten dialed in over this four game winning streak that they're on right now. I just think that they're really playing at a higher level, getting to their positions better, uh, taking away what the other teams are comfortable doing. Uh, Hendricks. Uh, again Boy, struggled from beyond the arc having struggled with him. <laughs> Sam yeah. guarded him so well. He I did. Uh, that was a fun matchup to watch. And you know what? It's, it's great seeing somebody from around here playing at the collegiate level. It's too bad that he couldn't be in an Aggie uniform, Yeah, but, uh, you, you could tell that it, it was an important game for him. Uh, and I kind of feel bad he wasn't able to, to do a little better, uh, just, just for his sake and his family and the folks around here who were very close to him. But, um, but I thought that uh, what Utah State did, especially taking away Hunter Maldonado, who's oh my really gosh. their – he's their leading guy.
1: I don't know how we go make him go 2-12. Was that what he was? Was he 2-12? He was 2-12.
2: for 12. Oh, God. <laughs> and just that, that Utah State defense has been, I think, under-talked about. I don't know the right way. Underrepresented in yeah. how we're talking about Utah State these yeah. days.
1: Uh, it was kind of cool, actually. Towards the end of the game, uh, I think it was Abel or somebody shooting free throws, and, and Sam saw Hendricks and he walked kind of, he, he left his guy and walked over to Hendricks and just pat him on the back. And, and Sam likes to talk to Pete. I mean, he doesn't talk trash, he just has a conversation with him. It's not like, hey, dude, we're lighting you up, guys, again. Man, that sucks that he went away. It's nothing like that. It's it's simple conversation. I've never heard it, but with, I mean, just a smile on his face. And him and Hendricks had a quick chat for a little bit. And then Sam walked back over. It's, it's pretty cool. I, I You're right. I think you, bring, you have a great point. It's a local kid who wanted to do something great, who had a chance to come back home and play in front of his home. He, In fact, I saw some of his family last night. Um, and then, of course, Sam Merrill, who is the local hero here, I guess if you will, coming from Bountiful uh, and everything that he's meant for Utah State. Um, it was a great matchup to watch. I thought Sam just did what he does. like He takes it personal in a respectful way when it's Hendricks coming back home. Oh, it's it's Hendricks. Everybody's got to go see Hendricks to see him play. What can he do? And Sam's like, you're going to go to see me play. You're, you're, <laughs> gonna, you're watching offense, but maybe in your eyes, the wrong one showed up. And and for Sam Merrill, he took care of business. A couple notes here before we uh, conclude this segment. Uh, as I already mentioned, Utah State improved to 22-7 and on the year, and its 22 wins on, uh, this season are tied for the 18th most in school history. Uh, USU has also improved to, improved to 11-5 and in the Mountain West play, 23rd time in school history, including the third time in Mountain West. It has won 11 plus league games. USU is now 66 and 58 all time in Mountain West play. USU won four straight games against Wyoming, which is the longest winning streak against the Cowboys since it also won four straight in 59 and 60, Eric. That's a span of 31 games. Overall, USU is now 31 and 51 against Wyoming, which includes 21 and 17 in the known home games. Uh, Speaking of shooting. Utah State shot 50% from the field for the 8th time this year and is 8-0 in those games. They also shot 33% from 3-point and is now 15-3 on the season when making at least 30% of those 3-pointers. Wyoming shot just 36.8 from the field. It was the 17th time this year that USU has held its opponent to under 40% shooting overall. For Sam Merrill, you're going to like this, Eric. The, the, just the list here is amazing. He scored in double figures for the 20th straight game, 26th time in this year, and 103rd time in his career. He has 103 double figure scoring games for the third most in school history. Uh, it's also the 14th time this year and 41st time in his career. He has scored at least 20 in a game. Overall, Merrill has now scored 20-plus points in each of his last three games and four of his last five. With his 26, he now has 2078. He trails just uh, Greg Grant and J.C. Carroll on the all-time scoring list. He was 9-13 from the field and has attempted 14,400... Sorry, 14,041 field goals. I don't think that's right. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> yeah, sorry, I at that. That doesn't look right. In his career, and he's moved ahead of Brian Jackson, <coughs> uh, who has 1,432, and he moved into fifth place all-time in school history and career field goals attempted and also... Brian Jackson, or excuse me, and also made six hundred seventy-five field goals now in his career. That passes Marvell Harris of Fresno State into fifth place all time in Mountain
2: West history field goals made in his career. <laughs> so, bottom line, Seth Merrill's done a lot of good stuff. There's more, but he, I can't he, keep going through voices about. God. Well, and, and he's he's at a he's in a whole other level. Uh, he's had a great career at Utah State. He's playing tremendous basketball as a senior. Um, it, the, He's this This is going to be a nice break for him to get his body healthy. Oh, yeah. And uh, then it's a, kind of a tune-up game against San Jose. Not against the Spartans, but it's what it is. It's a tune-up game. Yeah, yeah. And, and then it's uh, to close it out on the road at a tough place to play at New Mexico, but the that's a team that's been struggling. So Utah State is really hitting it on some, uh, some great strides right now. Yes, there are some issues, as we've talked about, that can be better. Um, to uh, if they want to be in contention to be in that conference championship game and then make it to the NCAA tournament, but um, yeah, they're looking good, they're looking good right now. It's a good break for them too to get a little bit of rest and fine tuning before that conference tournament game in Las Vegas. All
1: right, we're gonna take a break. Coming back, we'll get into the article that everybody is talking about in the Mountain West Conference. The basketball is that the issue. Could a basketball
2: be keeping Utah State from making the NCAA tournament? Lorraine
1: Higgins, or excuse me, Lane Higgins, uh, explains from the Wall Street Journal. We'll recap that article, and we'll play our interview with Lane Higgins coming up here on the Full Court Press. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The
0: Fan. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Eric France and AJ South Full Court Press, 527 your time here in the second hour on Thursday, February 20th. Aggies got the rest of the week off. They get ready for San Jose State on Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, before they head to the pit to cap off the regular season and get ready for the Mountain West Conference Tournament, where they right now, is, as of, as of right now, sit as a two-seed.
2: Can they but hold on a, to it? Yes, it's a very tight field. As we said, there's about like three, four teams. The good news is
1: that Nevada is right now in the three and they hold the tiebreak over Nevada. Yes. That's great news.
2: All right, but Boise State's right no, there. Colorado right there, State's yeah. right there. This
1: thing's far from over, let's put it that right way. But, Eric, if you win out, everything else is taken care of. All you have to do is win your ball games and you get the two seed. That's all you have to do. Win the next two.
2: The question may be what ball do you play with
1: in those oh, games? Oh
2: boy. So, great piece in the Wall Street Journal today. Oh, boy. Lane Higgins put it together, did the research, reached out several different people. We had a chance to catch up with her earlier today. Oh, are we playing that now? Cool.
1: I didn't know. Hold on. Uh, yeah, we had a chance to catch up with Lane Higgins, and uh, let's, uh, let's see what Lane Higgins had to say here on the full court press. All
2: right, so there's been some controversy, maybe with Utah State basketball, and it's shooting. There's been some games, especially last month, where the Aggies just weren't shooting it well. Well, a reporter with the Wall Street Journal, with some help from some others doing some research, may have found the root of the problem. Now, she joins us now. A sports reporter for the Wall Street Journal, Lane Higgins, joins us here in the Full Court Press, put together a really interesting article in the Wall Street Journal about these new, the new technology that Mountain West is adopting and putting that technology into the basketball itself. And could that be part of the problem that Utah State ran into in early January? Lane Higgins joins us now in the Full Court Press. Lane, thanks for your time. Really interesting article that you put together.
3: Well, hey, thanks for having me on, and I appreciate it. And it was a, definitely an interesting rabbit hole to go down on this one.
2: <laughs> so the, the issue is this shot tracker technology. The Mountain West used it a little bit in the conference tournament last year, and then they mm-hmm. said, we're going all in and mm-hmm. um, Utah State is is one of those schools. But what's interesting, is you've detailed in your report, is that it's it's not created equally. and There are different uh, s- sports right. brands that sponsor different schools, and so that re- has an effect on the type of equipment that they use. Explain how that's different and what's going on there.
3: Yeah, so it's been a little bit of a weird scenario and almost a perfect test case in the Mountain West because there are... Of the 11 schools, there's three different equipment manufacturers. It's Under Armour, sponsors Colorado State. There's three teams that are actually sponsored by Adidas but use Wilson basketballs, and then the rest are Nike. And I believe Fresno State is sponsored by Adidas, but for whatever reason, uses a Nike basketball. And... Most of those teams you know had practiced with those balls a little bit, but because the partnership with Shot Tracker states that these teams can only view the real time data on the bench during games against conference opponents, so that way it's a level playing field, most of the teams didn't really start playing their games with the smart balls until the conference schedule started in the beginning of December, and that also coincided with this huge drop off in shooting, and you know you can't always say that correlation is causation, but most of the shooting dips happened in games that were played with the Nike balls. And now I reached out to Nike and asked, okay, so was there anything that was different about these? And they (laughs) said that they weren't going to comment on it. So it's unclear what exactly is going on in that front, but anecdotally, the players, almost to a man, and the coaches are really not fans of this ball. Um, there's been several at San Diego State that have been pretty vocal and said, you know, it's, it's horrible, we hate it. And it was actually so bad that San Diego State's athletic director got a waiver from Nike to start using a Wilson basketball in some of its games. And, you know, Nike was cool with it they cleared it and the reason why san diego state who's a nike school had these wilson basketballs is i guess there was a delayed shipment so it was really just pure chance that they were even able to switch the balls um so it's unclear if the problem is you know with how the sensor is put in or if it's with the outside of the leather but or it could all just be in these players heads who knows um but it certainly seems like there's something going on with this nike smart ball
1: he talked about San Diego State. One of the people who was actually very critical of this basketball was leading candidate player of the year, Malachi Flynn of San Diego State. Uh, in fact, if uh, if the article, if I, if I look at it right, it says, quote, no disrespect, but it's horrible, end quote.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Does, I mean, does that
1: alone <laughs> tell you how big of a problem this is?
3: I mean, I think so. If you have a really prominent player coming out and saying that, and now I understand why more players are probably not being completely honest about it because these schools' partnerships with athletic apparel companies are worth millions of dollars in many cases. Um, But, you know, it's concerning if the athletes that you are trying to serve are not liking the product. And I, yeah, there's, (laughs) it's hard to get a much worse endorsement than it's horrible.
2: You did reach out to Nike. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was some consideration about uh, the 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 feel of the ball itself is a little bit different, in how they've manufactured it differently, or how they put it together or if it's because of this inserted technology. But they didn't really seem to give you very really, many really clear answers to this, did they?
3: No, no. And you know they they gave me approximately zero answers on this. Um, <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't comment it at all. And you know that doesn't mean that there's something fishy, but you know from the conversations I had with Nike, they didn't really believe that the problem was on them. Um, so, you know, take that at face value. But, you know, Shot Tracker, when I ask them, okay, so some of the players have been saying there's maybe a dead spot in the ball. Like, do you test for that? They said, you know, the quality control testing is done both by them and equipment manufacturers, but they will specify that the majority of the um, quality control testing that Shot Tracker does is just to the sensors themselves. So my guess is that if there's a dead spot, I mean, Inferring from that, it probably would be more on parties outside of Shot Tracker.
1: Lane, can I ask how you came about this all?
3: Yeah, so I was reading about San Diego State when they went on. I think they were now twenty-two and zero when I first started researching this. So a few games back, and one of the things that kept coming up in some of the articles I was reading is these comments about the ball. I was like, okay, this is weird. And that sort of led me down a rabbit hole to a data scientist named Neil White who had done a study for the about this and how the shooting percentages were being affected and whether turnovers were being affected um, kind of just on his own on a personal blog. So I reached out to Neil, and we um, he pulled a bunch of data and was incredibly helpful for the story and helped us kind of visualize, okay, what exactly is going on because um, you know I, I like numbers, but I am nowhere near as capable with them as Neil. So that was great to have the help of someone who could really dig into this and see, and prove through um, you know his statistical analysis that something's going on.
2: That is was interesting how you looked specifically at a couple of Utah State situations in mm-hmm. some of their games early in the season when they're starting to use these balls, and yeah. Sam Merrill specifically, just how significantly different his shooting percentages were with this brand of
3: basketball. No, it is pretty wild. And again, it's hard in college basketball when you have a small sample size, because even when you look at all of Utah State's conference games, it's only, you know, a dozen, maybe more, that were played in December and January. Um, So it could have just been coincidence that in the games that he played with the Nike ball, he just really wasn't hot those nights. But given that, You know, there's such a stark difference that's consistent between his performances with the Wilson and Under Armour balls versus the Nike balls. It seems like there's something at stake there Um, and, you know, something going on. And it's hard to say that a different ball would have resulted in more wins in all of the games. Um, Some of Utah State's losses in the early part of the conference season were blowouts to the tune of, you know, 17, 19, 20-point losses or so. But they had two games that were very close, um, one of which was against San Diego State, And, you know, who knows if you – because there's a huge mental component of basketball that comes with, you know, making one shot. So if you make one great three, maybe you think you've got it and you're going to start making more. So you don't know, you know, at what point in the game if there was a pivotal shot that was missed that maybe if it was made, if that turns the momentum. So it's it's hard to say kind of how this would affect a win-loss record, but it certainly put the Aggies in a position where they have to win out if they – I mean, more or less if they want to be a really strong contender for getting an at-large bid at the NCAA tournament. Great. Excuse me. Granted, if they continue to win and end up beating San Diego State or whoever else they come across in the Mountain West Conference Tournament and earn the automatic bid, they have a way in that way too, but it certainly kind of ratchets up the stakes.
2: Well, and and as you've detailed in your report, the Utah State shooting averages have kind of come back to the mean, Mm -hmm. but Utah State's getting used to this ball that they use when they go to the mm-hmm. the conference tournament, the conference itself is using the Nike ball. So will right. Utah State have a bit of an edge over those who have not really played that much with this Nike ball, perhaps?
3: It's, pos- it's possible, but there's enough teams. I mean, every single team in the Mountain West has played multiple games with the Nike balls at this point. Whether they are you know, playing their home games with them is a different story, but... I imagine that because if you look at the trends across the entire Mountain West, every team in the conference initially shot poorly with the Nike ball, and it's normalized for almost every team. So I imagine that any sort of advantage is probably pretty slim at this point because all the teams have had time to adjust. Um, but yeah, in in theory, the Nike schools like Utah State would be a little bit more acquainted.
1: I, I got to ask do you know when Utah State started to use these basketballs, for at least for this year? Do you know what game that was, or was it at the very start of the season?
3: I believe it was their first conference game in December. Um, Versus Fresno then, right? Yeah, Um, because Fresno was also a Nike school. But I can get confirmation on that. I spoke with the associate commissioner, um, Dan Butterly, about when the school started using them, and he said that he thinks it was that game, but he said, you know, again, it's possible they used it in some non-conference games before that.
1: So... Then, but games before that, they weren't using the same basketball. They're using a different basketball than leading up here to this December 4th game versus Fresno State. Does that cause a huge, like, did that cause like a red flag in your mind thinking, wait a minute, you're just using this brand new basketball, not just, I guess, in the start of the season, but as we start conference play? What was your thought process as you heard these?
3: You know, I didn't think it was that crazy just because there are so many different equipment manufacturers that have partnerships with NCAA teams. And, okay. And, you know, it's possible that a te- you could play schools that are only sponsored by Wilson and then all of a sudden your 10th game of the season is against Colorado State and you're playing with an Under Armour ball. And in theory, both teams are using the ball, so whatever disadvantage it is to you should sort of be also affecting sure. the other team sure. if they're saying it's slippery. Um, but. but you know, it's it's hard to say. It it didn't seem like a outright red flag, but it certainly is interesting that it's played out the way it has.
2: You uh, you you talk about a lot of the things with the Mountain West Conference as a whole, but you take a specific look at Utah State in your article. Uh, didn't seem like they gave you a lot of meat when you were trying to find some information. A brief statement from the university. What was that process like, and what did they give you?
3: Yeah, well, we um, we have a policy at. The Wall Street Journal, where every time that you're writing a story and you're reaching out or writing about someone, regardless of whether you know they're the centerpiece, well, in this case they kind of were, you have to reach out and try to get a comment. And I had reached out and gone back and forth, had some conversations, not to tra- attribution, contribution, with um, some folks at Utah State, and they were pretty candid in their assessment, but they did not feel comfortable sharing um, some of their thoughts, you know, positive and negative, about the partnership and about the balls so they opted to go for a more neutral path on that and um, you know if you consider the ramifications of any sort of statement saying oh we're blaming the ball you never know how that's interpreted by the players or the coaches or the fans so I think it's I, I, I totally understand why they chose to take the route they did.
1: Do you think that they use these same basketballs next year or do they move on to something else?
3: I don't know. That is a that is a great question. Um, the partnership with Shot Tracker is for five years, so in theory, they'd be using these same basketballs. Um, I don't know if you know the equipment manufacturers are making tweaks, and if that's what happened here. Um, I don't know if they are going to try to switch manufacturers. Um, you know, the Nike schools would try to move away, but I imagine you know, like anything new, you eventually do get used to it. So. It might not be an issue by next year because these players will have dribbled and shot with the basketball so much that they won't even remember what the old ones are like. So it's it's hard to say.
2: Again, we're talking to Lane Higgins. She's a sports reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Really interesting piece that she's put together. It's titled "Miss the NCAA Tournament?" Question mark. Blame the ball. Uh, in this process of researching the ball itself and its textures and its effect on shooting in the Mountain West, was there anything as a side note about the effectiveness of Shot Tracker? as a technology and how it can help in the game itself for how these coaches are using the technology.
3: Yeah, so the issue is not with the efficacy of the sensors. All of those seem to be operating just fine. And what technology Shot Tracker allows you to access is actually pretty cool. Like, for instance, because the sensors that are in the jerseys in you know, the rafters of the facility and in the basketball are tracking coordinates and location data, you can tell, okay, so if you have a play where you pass four times, what is, how efficient are you versus a play where you pass three times. So it's that kind of advanced analytics that you can see and I think per their website there are 70 different ones and I for sake of everyone, I'm not going to list more. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> <laughs> I think that you know that's something that the coaches can see and if they're playing against a team and realizing okay, if we're passing a lot, this team is figuring out a way to block our shots. We need to switch it up and just really drive right away. They can do that in real time and adjust. But that sort of depends on how much the coaches and the staff want to be using the technology. So there are some programs. Um, I think Colorado State is actually one where they've been using it a ton, and the coaches have super bought in, and you know, they're changing their strategy of playing around it. And there are other coaches that have been a little bit more, I want to say skeptical, but they don't use it quite to the same degree. I think everyone's looking at the data because in this day and age, if you're playing sports without – backing up your theories for what's working with numbers, you're probably not going about it in the most, edu- or, you know, informed way. But I do think that there are teams that because of maybe disdain for the ball and not the sensors have been trying away from the technology. But, you know, if I I think back to my swim coach in college, and he was the type of person that typed with two fingers and was not very tech-savvy, and something that's as advanced as shot-tracker might be intimidating, so I kind of get that.
1: You talked about San Diego State having a voice of opinion in this. Utah State went the political way, gave a short statement. Has there been anybody else who's voiced their displeasure about this uh, shot-tracker ball and and, uh, voiced that they would rather not use it again?
3: I mean, not that they... (laughs) set on the record with okay. me, so
2: unfortunately okay. I can't share. Sure. Well, Lane, this is really fascinating stuff. Uh, we heard some grumblings about this when we spoke to some uh, some people ahead of the Utah State-San Diego State game earlier in yeah. the year. And so we knew that it's it's been an issue with them. We really hadn't heard too much about it other places. But uh, mm-hmm. y- you've done some great work on this and uh, shed a light on something that may help answer some of the questions that we had earlier yeah. in the year for Utah State.
3: Yeah, well, thank you. And, you know, it's interesting because the timing of when San Diego State got the waiver to start using a Wilson ball was right before the teams played the second time. So, Mm. you know, read into that what you will, but it certainly seems like some serendipitous timing for San Diego State.
1: And, Lane, I might have missed this already, but did you say that they'll be using these same basketballs in the Mount West Tournament, but come NCAA Tournament time, it's Wilson, is that correct?
3: Yes. Okay. So they, in theory, just have to play one more major tournament with it and then wow. if they get to the big dance it doesn't matter
1: <laughs> or will it matter by the time or we'll be too late for the mountain west is the question at least for a couple of teams lane wonderful right. wonderful work thank you so much you're an absolute gem and this is great stuff
3: yeah well thank you so much for having
0: the aggies the jazz the high schools the full court press on sports talk radio 1069 fm 1390 am the fan Eric Franson, Audrey South, and it's this time for This Week in the Mountain
1: West with Nate Kregman.
4: This is your Mountain West Basketball Update
0: with Nate Kregman. Down to the wire in conference play. We start Wednesday, Boise State at San Jose State, and the Broncos getting win number 10 in the Mountain West. The trailer's Chappelle. He tries to drive the lane. Ball knocked away from him, scooped up by Kijab. Broncos quickly the other way. Jessup all alone, right side for three. It is a money shot for Justinian Jessup. Bob Beeler from Learfield IMG College. Boise State handles the Spartans 80 to 62. As Jessup hits four triples, goes for 20. Broncos head coach Leon Rice had to like this number. 29 assists on 31 made field goals for Boise State. They're 18 and 10 overall fourth in the Mountain West. Also, Wednesday, Utah State downs Wyoming 78 58 in Logan as Sam Merrill stays red hot for the Aggies. Sam gets into lane, Sam attacks, right hand shot up, good, and he's fouled. Sam doing what Sam usually does, putting exclamation points on games. Scott Gerard on 1280, the zone. Merrill leads the way with 26 for Utah State. They've won five in a row. Merrill averaging 24 a game on that win streak. Aggies 22-7 and and continuing to fortify their at-large bid. The other Wednesday final, Fresno State 71, Air Force 62. Tuesday, Steve Alford and Craig Neal return to the pit. Nevada beats New Mexico 88 74. Jalen Harris 28 11 making his postseason award case. And UNLV overwhelms Colorado State at the Thomas and Mack.
2: Bounce pass right side to Hardy. Hardy back to Eli. Eli. Great no-look pass to Bryce Hamilton for the layup. What a pass by Elijah Mitru Long.
0: John Sandler on ESPN 1100. Rebels win Big 80 56. Bryce Hamilton 25 points. Women's Hoops Wednesday. Air Force stuns Fresno State 88 65 at Kalun Arena. First conference loss for the Mountain West champ Bulldogs. And that's your Mountain West Basketball Update. I'm Nate Crackman. Thank
1: you Nate. More of the Full Court Press coming up on 106.9 FM
0: 1390 AM. The Fan. Talking the sports. You care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Eric Frantz and L.J. Salison here on the Full Court Press. We're wrapping up the show, getting you ready for a Friday. It's the weekend coming up. A lot to get through, but, but you see why I bring up that point though, right? That it's possible. I mean, just yes. hypothetically. Yep.
2: Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, that was a lot of great stuff there from from Lane Higgins. Great stuff from the Wall Street Journal. Um, if you, They do have a bit of a paywall there. So if you don't subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, it's hard to read the article. <laughs> but basically, everything that we went through in that interview is everything you have in the article. Yeah. Without... I mean, we don't go into real specifics with percentages and some of the numbers and analytics, but you get the sense of everything that's in the article with the interview that we did with her. It was great stuff. Interestingly
1: enough, about a month and a half ago, we had interviewed Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Union Tribune, uh, and he brought up a point without even us provoking him. He brought up a point when I asked him what what the keys are for San Diego State to get a win. He went off on a little bit of a rant. Listen to this.
4: You know, one of the big stories in San Diego, and I and, and I, I wonder if it will become one, it probably should become one in uh, in Logan as well and a couple of other schools, is that, you know, the, the shot tracker um, system requires you to have a chip implanted, a tracking chip uh, inside of the basketball. And so you, each school chooses, it, has its own basketball sponsor. Usually it's a paro sponsor. So Nike for both Utah State and San Diego State. So Nike was asked, could you put some, these chips inside balls, they put in a newer model of ball than last year. And the newer bottle the players for the most part, hate. it's got narrow grooves, uh shower glue It's got a different texture to it. I felt it. I'm a basketball player myself. I know a good basketball from bad one. I didn't like it either. Uh, it's much slipperier and, and Diego state has really struggled in the games. They've used it to shoot. I mean, it's from three points, it's like 25% versus 37%. It's really uh, shocking. And, and I, Random numbers of Utah State, they're actually shooting worse with this ball at home than they are with new, unfamiliar balls and unfamiliar rims on the road from three-point. So, uh, you know, that could be a factor as well. I, you know, they're supposed to use this ball. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm waiting for a team just to say, we're not using it. Good luck, find us, you know. But it'll be, it'll be fascinating to me. So I think that's another key to the game, if they do play with this new weird ball, uh, who shoots it the best? Because it, it, neither team has shot it well unprovoked,
1: all we were asking is what his keys to the game were, and this came out. A month and a half later, here comes the Wall Street
2: Journal. I'll be honest, Ajay, listening back to that, I'm kicking myself because Me too. He just laid something at our feet and we did nothing with it.
1: Yeah, we're like, okay, well, all right. We didn't really talk to the
2: USU coaches. But he's right. I mean, as it's detailed by Lane in her article, Utah State shot 28% from the arc with this ball, uh, compared to forty-eight percent overall, and well, and forty-eight percent overall with a different brand of basketball, thirty-five percent from beyond three, and fifty-four percent overall. Wow, dramatic! Wow, difference. Dramatic. Difference. It, it, it just, and I, I'm with you. I'm so
1: with you that he threw this at our feet, laid it out, color coded it for us, and we're like, "Oh, thanks for your time, Mark. Appreciate you. Not a word." Until the Wall Street Journal comes out, and Mark probably saw my tweet and was like, "Dude, I talked to you guys like a month, and, that a month ago, and, and a half
2: ago, man."
1: I mean, it's just amazing to me. But uh, here it is: Wall Street Journal missed the NCAA tournament? Question mark. Blame the ball. It's on the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it's it's a really good article, and then you can find our interview with Lane Higgins, the author of that article, on our. Podcast and on 1069 the, the interview, com. the
2: isolated interview with just her is available now. Yep, it is now. So you can, you don't have to wait for the full show to be posted. You can go to 1069thefan.com and go listen to that interview. It's really, really interesting stuff.
1: All right. Well, we'll get you ready for a Friday starting tomorrow. A lot to get through as we get you through the weekend. Friday, five best. Friday, five, best, five Utah best. State big men. Mm, can't wait for Ooh, another one. to will be juicy. Explode. Eric France and RJ Southson. Good night, everybody.